And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We look forward to the challenge of playing the Colts. Um, and I know what their record is. You can put that aside. This is their, their first game back at home. And they've got, they've got good talent and good coaches. So um, we need to have a, a good week of preparation going forward. Uh, and as you saw, or as we all saw yesterday with this, with that day off, that um, anything goes on any Sunday. So, I mean, it's the parity in this league is unbelievable right now. And I know the league strived for that, and they sure look like they've got it. And uh, so you better prepare yourself every week for a knockdown, dragout battle. Anyways, with that, time's yours. I don't have much else to tell you. It was a busy and oftentimes hilarious weekend in the NFL as the Chiefs already locked up the top spot in the AFC West for the time being back on Thursday. And right after, you heard myself, Joshua Briscoe, and Nate Taylor as we rejoined you for a quick Friday recap of that game. Now Seth Kaiser returns to the fold, the whole crew back together here for another edition of Time's Ours. That's right, we're all here. Two weeks of NFL football are nearly in the books. Two Monday night games tonight that we will, uh, I'm sure, all enjoy uh, whenever that comes around. But for the AFC West, for the Chiefs, a lot of things now are set in place for two weeks. But just about an hour before we sat down to record this very episode of Time's Ours right here on The Athletic, we got news today that, um, well, I'll just say, I don't want to speak for anybody else. News today that, frankly, I was not expecting today or maybe at any point, but certainly not just at a 3.30 or so uh, on a Monday. That was a little confusing to me, but the news is, if you haven't seen, Willie Gay Jr. has been suspended for four games stemming from the incident in Overland Park um, quite a while ago now. In fact, the uh, the incident itself stems from uh, the incident in January. He uh, ultimately agreed to a diversion agreement in June. So um, now here in uh, in football season, two two games down, several more to go. Willie Gay Jr. will miss the next four. Uh, Nate, we're just starting very newsy today because that's where we're at. Uh, right as we were starting the show, you tweeted that there will not be an appeal from Willie Gay. Uh, the NFL, as you said, is said the four-game suspension is the final resolution to this case. What happened today? What do we know? Um, and, and what's the impact here? It's, um, yeah, it's a bit interesting that this news came out today, um, even though, based on my understanding from the league, this was resolved from their position back in July. So at some point between training camp starting and training camp really getting into the groove of things, the league had basically felt like from the legal system to their own findings and understandings, and I'm assuming that's uh, having an interview with Willie Gay, that they deemed the matter to be pretty much closed. Um, so then the question becomes, why does it come out on September 19th that he's been suspended two ga- or excuse me, suspended four games, even though that could have occurred much earlier uh, from when the season started on September 11th. So the timing is a bit peculiar and, 
And, you know, as someone who has covered this league for a number of, of years, I, I try to tell fans, like, the league likes precedent, and then it really doesn't go off precedent all the time. Um, a lot of these decisions are made by the commissioner. This was a Roger Goodell decision today uh, to suspend him four games based on his interpretation of the personal conduct policy. And I know we're going to get to the details um, throughout this, the, the first part of this episode. Um, but but can I can I do something for you guys so that I can just show what the day has been like sure. um, in the league office? Because I'm going to read something that maybe most people probably know by now. Um, but just the way this was disseminated was peculiar to me. So this was an email at 11.34 Central Time where the National Football League announced that Mike Evans was suspended one game. Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been suspended a game without pay for violations of unnecessary roughness and unsportsmanlike conduct in the in Sunday's game against the New Orleans Saints. You probably already saw by now. There's the highlights. Um, in a letter to Evans, uh, Football Operations Vice President John Runya wrote after a play had ended you were walking toward sidelines when you noticed your teammates engaged in a confrontation with saints players you ran toward that area on the field and violently threw your body into and struck an unsuspecting opponent who was part of that confrontation you knocked your opponent to the ground and a melee ensued involving players from both teams your aggressive conduct could have been caused seri- could have caused serious injury to your opponent and clearly does not reflect the high standard of professionalism and sportsmanship expected of a professional football player. Um, then there's a few more paragraphs. Um, this is what the league sent out just a few hours later. Statement from NFL spokesperson. Willie Gay of the Kansas City Chiefs has been suspended four games without pay for a violation of the NFL's conduct policy. Gay Jr. is eligible eligible to return to the active roster on Monday, October 17th, following the team's six, uh, week six game against Buffalo. That's all they said. You know what I'm watching right now? Go ahead, sir. I am watching a game from back in the day, and I'm watching a Philadelphia Eagle jump over a pile of people after the play is over to lay into a guy who's not looking at him helmet first. Would you like to know the name of the player that I'm watching? Could sure. I please guess? Can I get a approximate approximate year to your best your best knowledge? Um I, I you know what? I couldn't even give an approximate Wait. year. I'd, I'd say it was a decade ish ago. Could I could I hazard a guess that it's John Runyon? It is John yes. tackle John Runyon the Mauler. I mean, come on, man. So, I, I was stunned to learn that today. Also, I learned that today and, when the Mike Evans thing. Yeah. Sorry. And to John be fair, John Runyon is litigating these. Incredible. And, and to incredible. be fair, we all we all learn things. And I've always said hypocrisy accusations are the tool of the teenager who doesn't want to be punished. Because we're all hypocrites. Yes, you, dear listener. Yes, you are. Yep. No, stop it. No, yes, you, you are. No, every one of you, and me. Fortunately, so. 
Well, maybe not fortunately for the people <laughs> in my life, but that's just, so I get that, that it's, it's such a cheap and easy thing because, you know, the implication is, well, unless thou is perfect, thou shalt not throw the first stone. It's just funny though. It's just But funny. it is it funny. We're talking it about the is. Mike Evans thing. That yeah. was funny. Yeah, Tom Brady was talking bleep. Mike Evans swung in from the sideline to throw these hands. That's all funny. All I'm saying is the league went into detail on a visual thing that we all saw Sunday to explain why Mike Evans was suspended a game, which, you know, I guess we can all understand from the league's vantage point. Um, they, The league, because Roger Goodell made a decision today, and the league, based on my understanding, is not going to give an explanation as to why Willie Gay got four games. Well, other, it, other, than, other than to say <laughs> he violated the the personal conduct policy. Um, right. So, you know, there's a big, there, there's an even longer discussion. And I know some people are reaching, are, are, are wondering about this. Hey, Nate, what about this? I, I get it. There is an even longer email when it goes to, hey, here's how we got to the final resolution of, Deshaun Watson being suspended 11 games. That email must have been like a Supreme which, Court syllabus. Which this go, is 24 pages. Which I don't want to which I don't want to read but like it's there that the league is basically saying we tried the best we could based on the resources and time available to us and the legal process. <laughs> the very and, limited resources. That's what I was thinking. Limited well, time and resources of the National Football. That's like So <laughs> look, look, all I'm saying is if you want to call if you want to criticize the NFL, and I think based on what I'm doing, I'm giving I'm weaponizing you to say that. Mm. And I and I think it's fair. You can criticize the league today, if you're a Chiefs fan, for saying, I don't have a good understanding as to how you came to four games. Cause I don't think you can look if you threaten a woman and it's going through the legal process, there's like a 95% chance you're violating the league's personal conduct policy. Mm -hmm. But yeah. what, but what I think, you know, me as a reporter and, you know, as we're trying to you know, obviously get some facts as together, why this, why this decision was made. I don't think as of this recording, there is none. Like Roger Goodell will not tell you, or a spokesman will not tell you as to why the team, excuse me, why the league is suspending this player four games versus two versus zero. I, Seth, I want to offer you something really quick because yeah. I, I just want to give you two options and legit, this isn't a bit. I just want you to tell me what you'd rather do. Uh -huh. Would you rather do one of your favorite things, which is talk right now about whatever you need to talk about here that <laughs> makes sense from a legal perspective, or would you rather wait like, 30 seconds and still get to talk, but get to talk after me, therefore having a chance to correct me on some things. I would love to talk after you in okay. almost all situations. Okay, so I'm gonna let you talk third. Here's just here's my my quick things that I was kind of working through over this last hour. First of all, yeah, it's 36% of the Deshaun Watson suspension, and that's after it was appealed up to 11 games. That's going to be, that's gonna be used against the NFL, rightfully so, for the rest of time. Um, I don't know that they're actually related, but that little comparison is always going to be thrown back at the NFL and it should be because that's an abomination <laughs> beyond that. The, the actual incident itself, here, here's what I really don't want to do. I do not want to do, oh man, Willie Gay got four games for breaking a vacuum. That sucks. Like what? A, I, I have no interest in doing that partially because it's reductive, but more importantly, because it, it takes all of the actual scary, concerning, and violent things from the, the incident in January, it takes all of that and, and whitewashes it out of the picture. 
Like the, the accounts we got from that, it sounded like a bad scene that you would not want to be in his ex-partner's shoes, mm-hmm. um, having a baby there at the time. Like all, all of every every step of that is more is much more serious than it gets reduced to if you say he got four games to break in a vacuum cleaner. Right. So I please please don't ever hear I I, I will happily speak for yeah. all three of us on this one. And, don't and hear the, us say that. And the reason why the police were contacted in Overland Park was because he refused to leave the home. So right. Not also only, important. Yes. Not That's only scary. were they yeah not only were they in an altercation. Not only did she allege that he pushed her, um, but it comes to the point where, well, what is, what are, what are my options? Mm-hmm. Um, and her options she felt was to contact the police because he would not leave uh, because there was so much emotion. Um, you know, we are lead, we're led to believe in this, in this argument over custody, over the idea of when he could visit his son. So, um, and Willie Gates, was born prematurely having health yes. issues. Yes. And, sure. So Willie's spoken about this publicly before, um, and so he's given a, a a a snippet of his his version, his sort of perspective, his truth of this situation. Um, all we have from his ex partner, the mother of the child, is through basically legal documents. Right. Um, and so to that point, if you can't tell, I am pretty worried that either a tweet or a clip or something is going to be taken as a "Yeah, Willie Gay did nothing wrong" kind of thing, which is not where this should go. Again, to what Nate just said, he's he's talked about that a little bit about himself. I haven't gotten the feeling that he was ever trying to dodge responsibility or or any of the things going on there. I don't know him personally. I don't know what he's like behind closed doors, whatever. But it, it never seemed like it was something that he was trying to, um, you know, pretend didn't happen or whatever it may be. Yeah, and when and, With, and after after Seth, after you guys go, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the statement from January of his agent at the, at the. Uh, of the time of the time of the incident, by the way, and and that reflects you know less than a thousand dollars of property damage as part of the plea and, and all of that. And you know we we also know better at this point than to just take what an agent says at face value because they have they invest an interest in, in one. Correct. Time. So anyway, correct. With all of that couching being said, I'm still pretty confused about how that math all equals four games, and I am completely head over heels, baffled, knocked on my ass that this is a suspension handed out following the conclusion of week two. It That to me is the part that feels so outrageously random that I I just don't know how that's on a Monday after week two. It was like they forgot about it. Seriously, like, right. Oh crap, we were suspending it, Mike and if we forgot to take care of this one. It was it, like they saw him out there for two weeks. That's, I love that. It's like they saw him out there for two weeks and well, like, he looks pretty good. Hey, did wasn't he supposed to? Did we suspend him? Oh, oh no. God, we forgot to suspend him. Let's get, like, that to me, the, the length of the suspension with the amount of information that we have, which is what we assume is very close to the amount of information the NFL has, and the timing of it leaves me asking a huge number of questions where I have no interest in trying to acquit Willie Gay of all wrongdoing. I also have no interest in assuming that the NFL has a consistent path of logic that follows any of this. So that's that's where I'm coming from. Seth, please be a lawyer, set the record straight, whatever you need to do here. I, I've i prosecuted a lot of, of domestics or things that are domestic adjacent. And I do think, uh, Nate, you made a really good point kind of talking about, and, and Josh, you did the same thing. You're kind of trying to talk about, you don't, you want to couch things. You want to make sure to, just because something really terrible didn't happen, that shouldn't be our bar. Like I just watched a very polished professional 
an enjoyable analyst on Thursday night's broadcast at halftime, who I also watched on a video try to break down a door yelling at his father-in-law to come through. And it, when you see it in person, or not in person, but you know, when you see like the door footage, it kind of humanizes it a little more because a lot of these things we don't see, right? Like why did Ray Rice not get suspended longer initially? Because no one saw it, right? Right, right. And we're hearing he he struck his his significant other, knocked her, knocking her unconscious. That sounds bad, right? Like, you know, Joe Mixon's thing. I mean, it's sad that we can just name some of these things off the top of our head, right? But it it you read something and it's bad. You see it, it's much worse. Even if something like, and again, like to use the Richard Sherman thing as an example of something. And it's not trying to pick on him, but I mean it happened, right? I mean just happened like it did so there you go hearing oh he banged on the door and yelled you're like oh well who gives a crap but then you watch it and you're like wow that that's kind of scary you hear and again i wasn't there i don't know what happened okay and that's that's something to be cautious about i i've read a million police reports and and the, the, the problem with domestic stuff is it's always in the privacy of the home for the most part, except like you get the occasional, we call them rolling domestics when they're in the car and people actually see something. But it's almost always in the privacy of the home. And that's one reason why we treat it differently. Because for one, statistically speaking, it's much more likely to lead to greater violence. For two, it's in a, a zone of privacy where you should be safe. You know, you should be safe in your home. And so I, none of this is going to sound like I'm going to have some cheese fans in my mentions that are mad at me. I'm not saying I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what Willie Gay Jr. deserves or doesn't deserve. But I do know having a, 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 a guy refuse to leave and throwing stuff around is a, generally speaking, a very reliable precursor to something much worse happening. And I do think that there deserves to be punishment for something like that, because what you're doing is you're creating a situation where you, because you're bigger and stronger, are imposing your will on someone who's relatively helpless. And the, the desire to avoid those things is why we have laws, right? That's like what Lord of the Flies is about, in part. <laughs> you know, like the idea that there needs to be some structure in place or bad crap happens. So I get why there might be a suspension. All that said, the it seems weird. Like it just seems like arbitrary. The amount of games, the timing of it all, it makes you wonder if they talked to the, to, to the alleged victim here, what this person wanted. You know what I mean? There's just no information provided. And to me, that kind of like the amount of information on the Mike Evans thing, it's like, oh, well, this is all on video. So let's go into detail about this. Mm. Whereas the rest of it, it's kind of a little more hush-hush, like, hey, just take your punishment. We got to show we take this stuff seriously. Leave it alone. And the fact that it sounds like he's not going to appeal, one could take that one of two ways. One way that you could see it in a way that's favorable to Willie Gay Jr. is quite often people that are cooperative with the process don't always get the best results. And that's a sad thing, in my opinion. Whereas, I don't know, maybe had he stood up and insisted that he never did anything wrong, ever, 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 and no one could ever possibly take it that way, maybe then, I don't know, maybe it would have been shortened. And well, 
Well, I, I just wonder how the Players Association feels about this because publicly they have worked very hard to, you know, align themselves because he is a member with Deshaun Watson, understanding that it was a very public situation. Um, but in this case, you know, the, the the player association will mostly, you know, this is from my understanding, uh, and, and past discussions, they, they will mostly tell the player to appeal because that is a mechanism that they have in place. Now, the ultimate decider of that appeal is mostly Roger Goodell or whoever Roger Goodell wants to appoint, which we all saw play out in the Deshaun Watson situation. So then it becomes a case of, does the player want to go through something like that? Obviously it's a different circumstance and a different case. Um, but you know, the, the, I think the biggest detail to your point, Seth, is that the police dispatcher for Overland park, um, told the police in the recording that the female is screaming, quote, don't touch me, get off of me. And then mm. she alleges that he hung up the phone. And so by the time the police arrive, he then leaves. But at the time of her calling, the 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 assumption, the, you know, her, her vantage point is that he would refuse to leave and that that's why the call to the police was, was disconnected. So, um, Based on those details alone, it's going to be hard to see an appeal going in Willie Gay's favor. Um, and so, if you don't want to go through, um, if you don't want to go through that process, even though it's available to you, that mechanism, um, then really it's up to the NFL to decide how they really um, want to interpret their own rules, knowing that they have the first and final say as to what the punishment is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the, the the whole thing is just I, I again I I used most of my time to just talk about kind of caveats and to be cautious about judgments on situations that you are viewing from five thousand feet in the air, um, and but I want to make sure that's not a condemning thing because that can go the other way too, and and I've seen a lot of cases like that. So it, it's just the timing of it is weird. The comparative aspect of it is weird. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, what are, what is the policy? Because it's known as a policy, but it seems to be lacking in policy for a policy. Well, it's it's, it's based on how you interpret it, Seth. I mean, they <laughs> there's no other way of of really understanding it. Like whatever is on those pages, that's fine. But for Tyreek Hill's circumstance, didn't lead to a suspension for. Ezekiel Elliott, it led to a suspension. You know, the like those pages, those those words on the page didn't change between either either circumstances. Yeah. Um, and that's goes the same way for Deshaun Watson, and that clearly is the case here um for Willie Gay. You know, the thing that the player association got wrong and they will continue to get wrong, and they have no power to change this, mostly, is they don't have a true arbiter who makes a decision. Um if a, if a player does want to appeal, because it mostly comes back to the league or to whoever Roger Goodell wants to appoint. So um, until they get that right in the next collective bargaining agreement, which I highly doubt will will occur, um, then it is coming. It just based on what however the league feels or what they perceive to be the correct action or, you know, what, what will make us appear to be um, like we're doing the victim or the person who's alleging, you know, uh, if it's if it's a legal situation, how can we feel like we've done 
them fairly and how can we sort of make ourselves appear publicly like we've like we've been um that we've given out the proper discipline um without the outrage or the backlash that could change public perception looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. I thought that was all very responsible. I think we did good. I think we can talk about an actual football thing now if you guys would like to, or really, I guess we might. We probably ought to start with the linebacker position, I yeah. suppose. <sighs> um, obviously, this goes without saying, but I will say it. If there is anything else that comes up between now and Friday, we will talk about, or Thursday, I guess. Actually, I didn't talk to you guys about Thursday. That between our between this show and our next show, uh, we will talk about it in the next episode, and, and more likely, um, I'm sure Nate will have anything new, of course, on Twitter, at by Nate Taylor, and in The Athletic, uh, theathletic.com. So uh, more coverage there as things develop. Andy Reid spoke to the media earlier today before any of this came down. Uh, we will hear from him again on Wednesday. Coordinators Thursday, we'll hear from Spags, um, and then uh, again on Friday. So we will eventually hear from the Chiefs, but it will not be later today. It will not be tomorrow, presumably Wednesday, but the first time that we hear from them. 
With all that being said, how do you guys want to talk about the linebacker position? Because I, I know there's some things that have already popped up in some people's mentions. Some people are excited about Leo Chanel. Uh, some people are, uh, you know, wondering about Anthony Hitchens' employment status, which is currently uh, still out there. Um, I, I don't know. Elijah Lee uh, is still around. How do you guys want to uh, slice and dice where this leaves the Chiefs for the next four weeks? Maybe. Um, I, look, if I were going to like pick one thing. Also, sorry, I should just admit this now. No one's asked about Anthony Hitchens. I just thought I would. If I, Let me just answer something in advance. Barring a drastic improvement in pure coverage ability and fluidity, Leo Chanel is not your replacement will. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think I am. And honestly, the their best option, I would have said maybe before Sunday or Thursday, would be maybe it's time to, you know, play a lot of that, those nickel looks and dime looks and say, hey, Brian Cook, we need you for just such a time as this. Mm -hmm. And please stop getting penalized for stuff. <laughs> like, that was bad. Like, that was like, dude, you were like, I, I guarantee wonder, I, you. I really wonder if the Chargers saw something on tape and was like, hey, just say something about his mom after kickoffs. It was like, yeah. it was like, dang, dog, like, wait. <laughs> Yeah, like they're, the they're, they're literally old. baiting you in the, in the swing. <laughs> oh, man. And I, you know, like people talk about Andy Reid a lot and he's a player's coach, but there is absolutely no way that that was not like a, whether it was that day, the next day, whenever that wasn't like, we will actually cut you. <laughs> knock it off like like you know what i mean like because Andy, like he doesn't like in terms of like team discipline stuff like that they cut to his face for a second and i was like oh man like he's 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 upset yeah That's angry reed yeah yeah which he just he, he seems pretty intense when he's upset we've only seen brief moments of that like once a year or so someone will ask a question that he doesn't think is fair or whatever, like during media stuff. And you'll see him shift just a little. And you're like, oh, oh, dang. You're kind of an intense dude. You just hide it really well by talking about cheeseburgers and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I mean, that honestly, from a football perspective, I, the, the, the linebacker, Willie Gay Jr. is one of one on the Chiefs. And we can talk about whether or not Nick Bolton's a better overall player. Um, but... He can't do the things Willie Gay Jr. can do in coverage. Now, to be fair, Gay missed like four tackles of Austin Eckler. But he missed him like three yards in the backfield because he was closing so fast. So he's got to work on that. But he, no one else can cover the way he can. No one else has a sideline to sideline speed. And everyone talks about him in coverage, but he's a really good run defender too. So... That's less than ideal, especially with, hold on, let me think, four games. One, two, three, four. Yep, that's Buffalo, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's so, just... I make the argument that Willie Gay is the third most irreplaceable Chiefs defender if I gave you Chris Jones and Justin Reed, just because I feel like Justin Reed is going to be on the field 100% of the time, and I don't know, and Brian yeah, Cook is if he's not. It's either... like, I was going to say two, but I think it's well, go three. I might say three, three through five, because like the the range that Juan Thornhill has shown, good point. That's these fair. last two weeks have been great. And look, Nick yeah, Bolt, right. Nick Bolton is is a true tackling machine. So um, he he might be in that three to five range. Um, you know, moving forward, and this is just me really spitballing in real time. But hey, he he played, he kind of played Sam and and Will last year. Why don't we just move? Nick Bolton back to back to Will. Mm. Darius Harris mm. 
to my understanding, is the backup mic, and then you just keep Leo Chanel where he's supposed to be because he's a rookie and and like don't make it too difficult on him. Um, plus the you know the the being in space stuff that you don't totally want on on on, on a ton of his reps necessarily. Uh, yes, you can sprinkle in some Brian Cook, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they said, "Hey, Nick is proficient in any of these three positions." Um, without Willie's presence, let's let's slide him over. He'll still call the defense, but from a range and a capability standpoint, I mean, he's a much better player in space than probably Darius Harris. Although Darius Harris had a very good preseason. What do you think about that, Seth? Is that I I was I, I've been wondering about Brian Cook. I've been wondering about uh, if there's anything else with Darius Harris. But I I kind of I don't know. I kind of like that. And by like I, yeah. that, I mean on a scale of things I don't like. That's on the positive side. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you you don't like it to a less extreme than you don't like other things. Yeah, I, you, it's just not a great in terms of irreplaceability. Unfortunately, linebacker doesn't move the needle a whole crap ton, but you don't want to be bad there. Like it's it, it's so. I mean, Harris seemed okay in preseason. Like so, you you've got things you can do, but it's just while they're waiting for McDuffie to come back. And I keep talking about him. People are like, hey, he's a rookie. I'm like, no, he looked so awesome, guys. Right. He looked so good. Like, he was doing terrible things to the Cardinals. It would have been awesome to see him against the the, the Chargers. But anyway, is there already down a man there that I think they were really counting on this year? And they were kind of counting on their linebackers to help stabilize some things. And, and Nick Bolton low-key got picked on a little bit in coverage. Uh, against the Chargers, and and some of that is just because Herbert gets the ball out so fast, and you can't always avoid that. But it's just it's an unfortunate thing. You really there's a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of solutions that none of them are super fun. But I really do think you know yeah Harris is probably one of the least bad solutions. Going to three safety sets more often, or even like you know some kind of goofy borderline four safety set. You know, Bush Five. is a big safety. Yeah. How Five many safeties? Five D <laughs> Five. But, let's go college. Five two. <laughs> let's run a little five. We can run a five one. Can it just be Nick Bolt and oh. five down linemen and then five DBs? Five and, one and, five like Cincinnati. Five Yeah. You can get away with that for a week. You can. Like. I love how Seth they, said a week. Is that more yeah. about is that more about Matt Ryan and the Colts or is that more about just the league in general? No, well, I, think, I just I mean they like could literally both. just I think they could not replace Willie Gay, like play with ten defenders and still beat the Colts. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I think they probably could. I, I just keep waiting for Matt Ryan to be good again. So I'm I'm nervous. The Colts I Don't hold the, your breath. The '90s and the early 2000s did some stuff to me, man. Oh, I get it. Yeah, no, I was all I had the Colts winning the division, and I watched them play two games. And said, oh, I was very wrong. Bad. Right. Oh, like, it, oh, it really oh. is more of like a game by game thing because, like, you can try to really compensate to cover weakness by, like, you know, going you know five one or doing something goofy. But like after like one game, NFL coordinators like, oh, <laughs> they're just gonna give us some looks, huh? So I, it's not the end of the world. I, if I were them, I would probably Brian Cook's a really physical safety, um, and Bush was Bush like probably laid he laid a couple of hits that made me like uncomfortable <laughs> during preseason. <laughs> that one against Washington, and it was clean. It was yeah. shoulder to chest, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like you could hear the stadium. Like it's my favorite when you hear the whole stadium go, "Ooh." <laughs> 
It was kind of like when that, who's that, who's that freakish quarterback from Florida that did like a pull down juke before a touchdown? You, you heard the whole, he pulled the ball down like a way I've never seen the quarterback do it. And you heard the stadium go, ooh, that's what happened when Leon Bush vaporized someone. So I don't know, you, you, you go with that, maybe don't lose the speed because run defense is not as important. And that's where I'm curious how they compensate because it's more important to replace what he does against the pass than against the run. What do you think, Nate? I'm watching the uh, highlight of this uh, this Florida play to see if this is the right one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, I saw this at the time. Yeah, oh yeah, no, incredible. That, it was unbelievable. Like yeah, one of the, the two coolest fakes. Yeah, yeah, so good. Um, all this is to say is that look, the schedule was supposed to be hard for a reason. And every you know, things things are fluid after the first you really want to give teams the first four weeks. I I try to harp on that myself to not get so quick to like, you know, judgments or like, hey, these impressions will stay with me the whole season, um, until proven otherwise. But Willie Gay is really good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they're gonna have to probably blitz more. Um, and this puts really the onus Squarely on Chris Jones, Frank Clark, George Karloftis, uh, Carlos Dunlap. Like, those guys all have to be available. They all have to be above average. Um, one of them needs to be dominant at, at certain times. Uh, we're going to get to it here in a bit, but obviously Chris, you know, sort of filled that role. Um, he is by far their best defender. Um, so everything will still operate through him. But in terms of the defense now, so much of it has got to be about bending and don't breaking, Right. Um, and that was so evident in the game-winning, game-changing interception to, to, to Jalen Watson where, hey, the Chargers didn't have anything. Well, <laughs> their most, their biggest play, honestly, was Brian Cook's uh, <laughs> penalty to get them on the 40-yard line to start the drive. It's funny. I've I re- I rewatched the game a couple times. And I'm like, well, they really dinked and dunked them. And, hey, they, they had some nice plays. And part of that was because the Chargers, as we talked about, Josh, they didn't have – two of their best linemen on the field. So they were trying to quick pace it and, and move it along. And look, they were just matriculating it down the field. But so much of this will come to, can you get turnovers? Can you force the other team to make a mistake where it backs them up on a penalty? Or, hey, can you just be really, really good in the red zone? So that is something that we can all sort of identify and take with us as they play the Indianapolis Colts because that'll be the first version of this without Willie Gay. But they they just can't, they can't give explosive plays they're probably going to have to rely on more turnovers than just tackling people in the open field, which, by the way, through two games, guys, that's the best open tackling they've had probably since December 2019. Um, mm. So you're going to have to just – you're just going to have to get by with what's available to you um, and hope that Darius Harris – again, I think he's probably their best option. Yes, Elijah Lee exists, but he's mostly – been utilized on, on special teams and he hasn't been in the system as long. So you, you would probably give the nod to Harris, but man, Hey, Matt Ryan, that you might need a couple picks, you know, uh, if you get a chance to get a, the ball on the ground on a fumble, go ahead and do it. And, you know, bend, but don't break in the red zone. Um, which was the problem at this point last year, fellas, where they were trying to do that. And <laughs> didn't, didn't the opponents start like nine for nine on red zone trips? It was, it was, it was historically bad. So it can't, it's not going to be that, right? 
right? <laughs> well, here's here's my one last addition, and then we can let we can let Seth off his freaking leash because he is a he is a dog trying to get off of the chain right now because you already <laughs> said the right name to get Seth going. Um, but on the on the the year so far, obviously two games in, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay have played about eighty seven and about eighty percent of the snaps respectively between the two of them each. Uh, Leo Chanel has played 32 total snaps, a little less than 23%, 18 snaps for Darius Harris, um, eight snaps on defense for Elijah Lee, and that's the list for non-Bolton, non-gay linebacker snaps. And this has just been a two-linebacker team so far this year. Now one of them has gone for four games. So take that for what you will, and I'm sure we'll learn a lot about how they're going to begin making that adjustment against the Colts. The good news is, as long as somebody can breathe on Matt Ryan a few times, I think that that game's <laughs> going to be okay. Yes, this is the game that I'm going to be obnoxious about because I just, I feel so hurt for believing in the Colts' rejuvenation at all uh, that I'm just lashing out at them now on behalf of the Chiefs absolutely running them uh, out of town on Sunday. That's my uh, early hunch. But Seth, you know who could, you know who has a big breath? You know who could really breathe on Matt Ryan and frankly might be able to breathe on him from the trenches? It'd be Chris Jones. And I know that you don't think Chris Jones is very good at football, but I tend to. So I'm glad that you finally decided to take a look at number 95 and decide for yourself if he's good at football like Nate and I have been telling you for years. Mm -hmm. He actually is. And you just keep saying, why doesn't he have any sacks in the playoffs? If he was good, he'd have sacks in the playoffs. And I said, Seth, you got to look at the tape. You finally did. What did it show you? You know, it turns out that uh, not having Please. sacks in the playoffs makes you stink every game. It's it's a terrible thing. Please you feel know, free to reset this for yourself. Did you did you know that a rookie guard had some good snaps against Chris Jones? He must stink. <laughs> Which, by the way, shout out to Zion Johnson. I have seen a couple of guys. He gave he gave Jones, and they only had a limited number of snaps against each other because after about like five pass rushing snaps, Steve Spagnola was like, "That rookie's pretty good. What's that other guard like?" <laughs> and, and it was a great decision because yes. people talk about this all the time. It's like, "Well, no, you you want your elite to beat their elite." No. One of the beauties of defensive linemen is that a lot of them, they can move. Offensive linemen are stuck in place, which it's like, hey, yeah, you be elite and block Tershawn Wharton. I'm going to go over here and destroy this guy over and over and over. But I would say Zion Johnson gave Jones, on again, it was like five pass rushing snaps. And that's why when some people would be like, well, you know, what about all the problems? Well, you know what? I'm guessing over the course of a game, Chris would have gotten him. He gets everybody eventually. He gets Zach Martin. He gets Quentin Nelson. He gets everyone eventually. So he would have gotten them. But Spagnuolo was like, why would I make him work that hard when he can just go over there and win 50% of his snaps? And then he did. Mm. So I wrote about Chris Jones right after the game because I, I continue to beat the drum. He is the most underappreciated elite player the Chiefs have had during my time writing about them for a while like it was kind of like you know when everyone insisted like three years later than they should have that Eric Berry was bad in coverage or like yeah I mean it was just he he is he's a genuinely elite player that opposing fan bases talk about not all of this isn't all of Chiefs fans obviously because you can't paint a broad brush like that but I'm gonna because you know why not um <laughs> speaking of hypocrisy um opposing fan bases and, and, and analysts, like guys like Brandon Thorne, they talk about Chris Jones like, God, he's so good. He's unbelievable. Like, he's just been unfortunate enough to share a league with Aaron Donald. Because there's been other dudes that have come and gone as like elite players during the time Chris Jones has been an elite player. 
and they haven't lasted as long, at least at that very top. I mean, every year, he, he is one of the best two or three at most interior pass rushers in the league every single year for like six or seven years now. It's crazy. But there's a there's there's a, a loud portion of Chiefs fans that don't appreciate how great Chris Jones is. And that's fine. Everyone has the right to an opinion. You just don't have the right to not be told that opinion is is really, really wrong and not really based on <laughs> actual evidence. He is, he is, he is irreplaceable for the Chiefs. And it's because of what he does. Because what people like the sticks move so far with Chris Jones. He he let like just to take the, the Chargers game. There were two third downs out of, I think there were like 14 or 16 that the Chargers had. They had a ton of third downs, right? Two of them were were failures just because of Chris Jones. Like his presence on the defense literally ruined those two plays. Yep. And by the way, third down is money down. Yep. And that's what he does week in and week out. He'll take at least one, maybe more third downs and literally ruin them. It is a guaranteed failed third down. But then when people when you say that to people, they're like, well, that's just like two plays. It's like, huh? And and Mahomes somehow flipping around the field and finding Jarek McKinnon in what was that has not been talked about enough, by the way. That touchdown to McKinnon. That, that was, was just one play. I mean, that was nonsense. <laughs> Just complete nonsense. And, and the thing with Jones is, as a defensive lineman, your, your job is different than that from a quarterback. You're not going to win nearly as often. In fact, you're going to lose 75% of the time. If you're great, you'll lose or be neutral 75% of the time. Or or or, or Marcus Mariota will just <laughs> not throw the, the Hail Mary. He'll just he'll yeah. run himself into pressure. Yeah, he'll just run right into someone else, and you don't get a sack, and you're like, come on. And just... <laughs> So, so I wrote about Jones, and the cool thing to me was, I mean, he he destroys third downs. That's a huge thing that he does. That anytime a team is lined up against the Chiefs and they're on third down, they have to watch out for Chris Jones, and there's a chance that he will just end the play. He can. He's one of the few defensive players who can take over entire drives. The second thing he does, and this is kind of what I wrote about, and I won't go too deep in the weeds on this, but I walked through multiple late game snaps. And just showed how much attention Jones was getting from the Chargers because, again, they moved him to the other side of the line, and that dude could not block him. My, and my, that my favorite, my favorite snap set is not is not either sack. It's him literally running. Hey, is the is is the play to go to the B gap? Let me let me just let me just push him. Let me push you into the running back. Let me let me just do that. <laughs> that was such a great play. And that play, I actually broke that play down in detail. So that was a that was a third and two, I want to say. Yes. And and Jones stuffs him for a two yard loss, which means they had to punt. They would have gone for it if they'd gotten. Well, maybe they would have. I don't know what's going on with Staley this year. He's like, I think I better punt it or kick a field goal. Like I, I don't know what happened to him, but whatever. Turned into Jimmy Stewart apparently. <laughs> Have to have all these field goals. <laughs> I would think I was going for more a, a Jim Gaffigan bit voice, but I, I don't know anymore. But he, I, I actually broke down that play in some detail if you want to take a look at it and demonstrated why, if it weren't for the work Jones did on that play, that play gains at least a couple yards in a first down and the entire trajectory of a close game shifts. And that's the, he is a difference maker and it's hard to be a difference maker when you play defense. And there's also like, so you know how in the fourth quarter, Justin Herbert just, and I'm sure you guys talked about this a lot. Respect to Justin Herbert because I was feeling bad for him. Like, 
my my like people that I know, like my wife was just like she's like momming all over the situation. Like <laughs> someone needs to get him off the field. Where is his mom? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that would that would have been wild to see like a woman run on the field and like grab him by the helmet and start pulling him off. Like, no, no, you are not playing anymore. You are done. Because I felt bad for that dude, because falling on a helmet like that, that had to have hurt. Um, but he was getting smacked after that too. Like and, after the game, I just so I just remembered Brandon Staley just being like, "Yeah, he's fine. I'll figure it out." And I was like, "Why are you sure?" It's like, yeah, yeah well, he did okay. not. He literally gave up mid-play, which yeah, I what forty-five seconds before throwing an absolute guard yeah. touch, or a touchdown. I mean, that just, made no hey, sense. Hey, I was hey, sure, hey, man. Like he's just like look, you know. Some people have different ribs, you know, that's all. They, they, yeah, some people, <laughs> some people are Alex Smith and they'll play, you know, half dead and Matt Castle will play after an appendectomy. And I just, oh, these oh guys are, God. I, oh, they're just wrong. But I, I, I'm sitting here looking at a gif over and over of Frank Clark, who had no regard for how hurt Justin Herbert was hmm. when he just smoked him on a second and six. And the reason he was able to is because he and Mike Dana, who shout out to Mike Dana, he's quietly taken a, a second step forward this season. Putting Not together, like, putting together consistent behavior on tape. <laughs> <laughs> and so, him and Mike Dana are running a a stunt. Yes, and they're and they they just it's just a two man game with those two. And here's the deal. The center who might be able to help the right guard kind of deal with the stunt because it's not really a fair situation for that guard. He is nowhere to be found. And you know why? Because he is standing right next to the left guard, just staring at Chris Jones. Just those two, they're just in their own little world. And so that frees up Clark and and Dana to run a two-man game. Dana runs great interference. And Clark comes through and just destroys Herbert, like that was the one where he laid on the ground and like afterwards he was just like, you could see him just thinking like, oh my gosh, this is not worth it. Like probably could have been a golfer or something. Yeah, like, yeah, he's so athletic. He could have done so many things. And it happened on a few plays where he just got smacked. I mean, and and so the attention that Jones draws, and it's not one of those things where people are like, oh, he's being double teamed constantly. Almost no one in the league is being double teamed constantly for what that's worth. Um, it's mostly schematic, but he does draw double teams and attention, um, slides, that kind of thing, more often than the vast majority of players. And it matters. It affects the game. And Karloftis had great pressure on Herbert later in the game because Jones ran one half of a stunt and they were terrified of getting beat by Jones. So he just, he affects games in ways that almost no one else does. And thank you for letting me go off about that today. And also, seriously, poor Justin Herbert. I'm still watching Frank Clark. Just like, it's like almost mean. <laughs> because like, you know this dude is hurting. Of course. And I swear. I swear. Hey, hey, hey Chase, Chase Daniels can take those snaps if he wants them, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Chase, you out here, homie. Chase Daniel is just... Oh, just, just a complete side note. Did you guys do any bits on Chase Daniel? We didn't have you, time for Chase Daniel bits. That think, man. Who is, who is more upset to see him out on the field, Brandon Staley or Chase Daniel? Chase Daniel's like, what the? What do you mean I got to go out there, coach? And then he handed the ball off once. Someone tweeted out after the game. I mean, I was just dying of laughter. And someone tweeted out the game. Chase Daniel went in, handed the ball off once, went back to the sidelines, picked up his clipboard, and started counting his money all over yep. again. Yep. <laughs> It is important that you can be trusted to hand the ball off successfully one time. 
<laughs> I wanted so badly, like almost just for chaos's sake. Now, I was pretty stressed. That game was not fun to watch. Traditionally for, speaking. Yeah. yeah, for a lot of part. But it would have been really funny to see Chase Daniel like scramble for a 40-yard touchdown or something just insane with if the Chiefs still won. If they didn't, it would not be fun. He has the, the Kyler Murray against the Raiders game where he's yeah. just like, eight, Chase Daniels run 85 yards on the play and it's <laughs> But it was, I, I just, that. That the, was my Al Michaels impression. No, no, that was awesome. <laughs> The the way the Chiefs defense came through down the stretch, and the Chargers had some injuries. You know, they, they lost their center, and that was a huge deal for their protections. But it was good to see their pass rush for the second game in a row be able to affect the game, even though they're, they're still kind of working through some things. If you were going to ask me in order, I think their best pass rushers are obviously Jones, then Dunlap, then Karloftis, and then Dana, and then Clark. And that's less than ideal considering how these snap counts are being allocated. But mm-hmm. but it's they they've they've gotten a little bit deeper, and that you can see that starting to do some things late in games, which is nice. Uh I do want to just like let Seth keep cooking here. Nate, I don't know how we feel right now. I, I don't I feel like I've gotten most of the things I needed to say said, except for I've got one very specific topic that can wait until more towards the end of the show. Uh, because Seth also looked at the offensive side. We got most of our takes off in the uh, Friday episode. Do you want to let Seth talk about Clyde, or do you've got something else you want to do here, Nate? Look, I, I thought we were going to go the whole episode and not talk a single second about the offense. But if <laughs> if, if this man wants to do it, by all means, uh, you know, if you want to say Clyde is, is trending in the right direction, sir, then uh, the then the floor is yours. So I, I will, I'll do this for you, Seth, because this is the part of your job that you're the worst at. Mm. Uh, you can read all this at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, upsettingly, disturbingly, it's $12 for an entire year of coverage, and that will stay at that price forever. Uh, so you can get a great deal there. mnchiefsfan.substack.com or bit.ly slash Seth really hates money. That's the part Seth's not very good at. Of course, you can read all of Nate's work and some more of Seth's work even over on theathletic.com as well. There's just lots of great work being produced by these fellows right here. Uh, but so tell us, tell us about what you've seen from Clyde through two games, and you you make a, a salient point, maybe your first one ever. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> you make a salient point in this in this piece where you say, "Hey, if uh, like you're literally open, this makes it sound like I haven't actually read the story, which is upsetting because I read the entire thing, and I'm going to quote your first sentence, which is what I would do if I hadn't read the story yet. But you make the the, the salient point that if you just looked at Clyde's uh, uh, box score. You think that this season had been going perfectly according to plan? Dude's been a, a touchdown machine and a, uh, a a pretty good clip on a per yard basis, but you are you are not yet content with how he's being used in the passing game. Oh, oh! Uh, by the way, I've not read this, and interesting. I so, like it when they get surprised. So th- it's it's pretty simple. So Edward, so Clyde, he's got seven catches on seven targets for seventy six yards. He's got one that would have been technically an incomplete, but it got called back on a hold. To be fair, Mahomes was just throwing that away, basically. Um, which is why targeting stats are kind of goofy because sometimes they credit it even though the quarterback's throwing it away, but whatever. He's got a pair of touchdowns. He's got six first down on those seven catches. And if you, so if you were to extrapolate those numbers of the course of a season, he'd end up with around 60 catches, around 650 yards. That'd be right up there with what Austin Eckler did last year. Really respectable receiving numbers for a running back. Despite that, and this is how I said, I am once again... Asking Andy Reid and the Chiefs to get him more involved in the passing game. <laughs> and, and it was kind of, it's just been interesting. They've basically had him on a timeshare with Jarek McKinnon this year. 
And then Pacheco is kind of spelling each guy as like kind of like a subtle reminder by Andy Reid, like, well, it's not that secure, guys. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, we, we kind of like this guy. And and Pacheco looks like he's learning a little bit. He, he had a couple of decent runs where it looks like he's learning cutback lanes a bit. He's got the physical gifts. We'll see. Um, McKinnon is every bit the runner that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, I think, including between the tackles. They, they're a little bit different in their strengths. Right. And, and McKinnon's a solid receiver. Like, it's not like he's a bad receiving running back. He's a good receiving running back. I just don't think he's as good at it as Clyde. And so I just kind of wrote about, you know, some of the, the routes that you've seen from him and just the subtleties with, with what he knows to do with Reed's screen game and just a few of the things he does. And then the biggest difference between him and McKinnon in open space McKinnon's faster, no mistake about that. But Clyde consistently, if you have him in a contest with a non-defensive lineman, he's often able to shake off the tackle. I mean, he did, he trucked Derwin James. And Derwin James is not an easy dude to truck. Like that, he's he's big, he's strong, he's physical. Clyde's built real low to the ground. (laughs) Like real low to the ground. And he's he's built thick, he's built strong, but he is an undersized guy. So when he gets wrapped up by defensive linemen or even bigger linebackers, sometimes he'll stop in his tracks a little more than I'd like. But once he's in in the secondary at the second level, he's got a great combination of, of short area quickness to make guys miss or run through tackles. And he's done that. And so all of the things he does well, his route running, his hands, his ability to move well in space once he's past the line of scrimmage, all of those things lend themselves to the Chiefs, to, to, to the passing game. Also, the Chiefs are, are they're, they're figuring out who they are on offense. And we saw what they did to Arizona. I think they might do similarly horrifying things to the Colts. But the Chargers are a, a very talented defensive team. And you saw some of the, the growing pains there. He's a guy that you can have just, hey, we're going to have you run 20 angle routes. And we'll, if they want to give us the middle of the field over and over and over, we'll take these five-yard gains. And every now and then, it's going to be a 20-yard gain. He can do that, and there's still, I would like to see them utilize him more and more in that area rather than being like a strict timeshare like what they're doing. Although maybe they're doing it to keep both him and McKinnon healthy because um, both of them have struggled with injuries. But I, I wrote a lot more extensively about that, but it's just kind of an interesting thing to me that they're finally starting to dump the ball to Clyde more, but it's like, you know, it, it, it's working. You know, it, it's doing well. Maybe we should do it a little more and see if that goes well. Like, you know, you can see, you can you can almost hear how I got Jazz to go on a second date with me. It's just like, <laughs> you didn't hate that, so maybe you could come, yeah, I don't know. And then, boom, 15 years later, still married. So, that just might... Get, I don't just, know if I want the Chiefs to give Clyde that long-term of a deal, personally. <laughs> just, just, give him, just give me a chance in open space. That's all, that's all I'm asking. Come on. Come on, I'm better one-on-one. I'm better, I'm better one-on-one. Oh, oh, just on a side note, I almost forgot something. I just wanted to, uh, because I just remembered, as you guys were talking, I thought to myself, oh, no, my kids are going to listen to whatever you guys are about to say. And then I was like, oh, no. But actually, what I wanted to say... I just wanted to give a shout out to Josiah. How you doing, Josiah? That'll make no sense to you guys, but it'll make someone's day. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. Um, and that just reminded me of a, a couple of stories that I might need to tell you guys either off air or in a show that's less busy than this one. Um, of some uh, just some funny listener stories that I've I've run into as of late. I just want everybody to know. 
we appreciate you. Oh, it just really, for sure. Of, those those of you who we've had the privilege to either meet in person or to hear from in some form, uh, it's just always always leaves us absolutely tickled. So, oh, for sure. Uh, that's that's way too vague to be too specific about anybody in particular, but um, it, it's fun. I really appreciate the, uh, the listenership of this show. Um, so anyway, Nate, I want to take what Seth just said and, and pitch you on a few options there. And you tell me what's the closest to the truth or if there's a true, true option somewhere in there, I'll, I'll take mm, that one. Okay. Is that is that as Seth kind of questions there, maybe a Clyde preservation process? Or do they genuinely just like Jarek McKinnon equally? Or um, do they still not trust Clyde edwards Lair in pass protection enough to have him on the field in more Ooh. passing situations? You 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 may have stumbled upon something, sir. All right, um, I almost started with that one because that's the one that I thought it might be as I was reading that story, and I wanted to keep it till the end just in case I was right. Yeah. So as we run this option, and I and I'm getting closer and closer to the sideline, um, <laughs> without the ball in my hands, <laughs> carry the defender, keep carrying them. Like <laughs> I remember. Lear- By the way, I remember learning option football as a kid and being like. I can't believe they do this. <laughs> like, I can't believe Nebraska. Nebraska's winning championships out this coach. And he's like, you're damn right, son. And I was like, but coach, have you seen our quarterback? If anybody gets near him, that pitch is seven yards behind me, not not two. <laughs> like, uh, we should, coach, we should be running these plays at full speed because that's when you actually run the option. Um, so anybody who executes an option game, whether it's at the high school level or even at the pros, I'm like very impressed. But to your point, Josh, I think this coaching staff has finally figured it out. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a runner and an additional receiver, period. Jarek McKinnon is an all-everything back, who, by the way, will probably get hurt because he's going to lend his body for Patrick Mahomes' health. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah Pacheco will only get better as the season moves along, but you got to continue to feed him carries over time. And what I would want them to do against the Colts or moving forward is give him more fourth and short yardage situations. There's no better to, way. I'm sorry, to, to which running back? To Pacheco. There's yeah. there's no better way for a player to understand short yardage than putting them in critical short yardage situations. And you should just mm. continue to do that. Now, I love when you're in the red zone and you're running the basically the clear out for, for Clyde on, on the touchdown against Arizona. If you got more of those plays, as Seth alludes to, by all means, go show them. But when you're in the middle of the field at like, I don't know, the 40 or their 40 or the 50, like I'm okay with saying like this is part of Isaiah Pacheco's development, which is like getting better with vision, timing, and still using that burst and that size, which he has over Clyde and, and McKinnon, to get that extra yard or two in short yard situations because when one of these guys possibly gets hurt, that's we assume will be handed to Ronald Jones, uh, who's just sort of waiting in the wings as the fourth running back. But they don't need they don't need Clyde in pass protection because Jarrett McKinnon is is elite at it. Yeah, and, he's really good at it. And when Derwin James got in Isaiah Pacheco's face, yeah. he didn't touch the quarterback kids. So Everything that, you know, sometimes you're like, is what I see in St. Joe a mirage or is this reality? Everything with Pacheco's a reality. It's just, <laughs> it's really, really wild to know that, like, the man kept his arms, kept moving his feet, kept adjusting to what Durham was trying to do to get some level of, of leverage. And he was like, nah, like, 
Pat's going to get the ball to McCole Hartman. This is my job. I do it well. That way, Clyde can do what? Focus on running the football and catching the football. So they've they finally done it. Um, they've stumbled upon it in a similar way to 2019, where they were like, "Oh wow, Darrell Williams can, or, or excuse me, Damian Williams can do this, 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 and this, and this. Woo! We might have something here." Um, and then they won the Super Bowl partly because of it. So um, if they keep this intact, uh, I think that's the correct plan moving forward. Does that do anything for you, Seth? I'm just curious if that's what you were thinking. I, I could have asked you the exact same question, of course. I think that's a really good theory on it. Um, Clyde's improved a lot in pass pro, but McKinnon's better at it. And yep. Pacheco Pacheco was really good at it in college, and he's shown a knack for it in the pros as well. And so it makes sense, like if Clyde's a guy who's struggled with health and you like him as a runner and receiver, to say, well, I really don't want him wearing down his body on Derwin James. And so, you know, why don't we have you hang in pass pro? And again, I mean, and, and again, Jarek's better at it. So that definitely makes sense. I was so distracted when you started talking to me. Someone took a video of, of Tua throwing the deep ball right-handed. Yes. Like they flipped the video. And this is absolutely mesmerizing. Totally and it makes me stunning. wonder if his arm is better than I thought it was. When, dude. And, and it just have you seen weird. this, Nate? No, I have not seen this. Can you can get you, it? <laughs> figure out how to get it to te- Nate now. Te- text it to me. By the because way. Because I saw this earlier today and it was it was shocking. It makes you wonder what I what it would look like. Somebody needs to flip some Patrick Mahomes video inverted. Let me see what it looks like if he's left-handed. Okay, so now now you you have retweeted this. So here we go. It's third and third and ten. Got it. You just watch the throw if it looks right-handed. Yeah. It is. I mean it looks it looks a lot more like it's firing off his hand, doesn't it? It is, a, it is so much a more respectable looking deep shot. Yeah. I'm not even watching it right now. I, I saw this like six hours ago and it's, I, I can close my eyes and still see it because I went, I saw the tweet and I went, there's no way this is going to really be oh, that big man, of a difference. Oh man, the second one is just gorgeous. It is, it is. <laughs> oh. Tyreek Hill has not been that open in two years. <laughs> Seriously. I, I get so jealous when I watch other teams deep ball passes. Like, like I'm like, how? How are these guys? Do other teams, like, what coverages are are they running? Like, it just, I'm so jealous right now. Yeah, because the, the one to Marcus Peters, he was just like, yeah, you got me. I mean, this is basically like practice in 2017. Um, <laughs> but, but the second one, son. Yeah, you can't you can't you can't stand there like a statue when all the when when again their only option to get back in the game is throwing deep balls. That's that's literally their only option. So, look, we knew this day was coming. I thought it was impressive to just sit there on the couch to not see it in like a press box during a Chiefs game where I was just like, oh, I have the same viewing experience as every Chiefs fan, which is, yeah, we all knew this day was coming. He's gonna have games like that where it's just. He's open, and he used to do that for y'all in a comeback. Uh, but hey, you know um, the Dolphins. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm smitten. I'm smitten watching them play football. <laughs> okay, they, someone replied and did it. They did the same thing, but now with Lamar Jackson, and his arm looks weaker. Imagine by, by flipping him left-handed. Yeah. Imagine. <laughs> imagine what Mike Vick and Randall Cunningham's arms looked like if they were right-handed. No, Cunningham was right-handed. Never mind. Vick, though, that must he must look like it's fired out of a rocket launcher. This is going to be such a weird trick to play on all of our brains. I just I am excited to see how how far this trend goes. If I get to a point where I, where suddenly I 
Joshua Briscoe and prepared to question Patrick Mahomes' mechanics because it looks so funky whenever he's throwing it with his left oh, hand no. slash arm. And we're not actually going to get there. I just, <laughs> it just seems like it seems like that was the is the path we were on because I watched that deep shot from two. I was like, man, that yeah, that was smooth. He's never mm-hmm. looked that smooth in his life. Well, it's because we just inverted the video. Incredible. Uh, did we give out the shout out for the Twitter handle there? Who who did that? Seth, you retweeted it. Um, and that was from Finn Sports F on Twitter. Finn uh, Sports. So some, a member of Two Anon, perhaps. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Look, this is not an endorsement of anything else. I have not clicked on the profile. I got burned on this once. Like I retweeted something, and then I mean, like I, my, I was deluged with immediate. Like, have you looked? How can you support? Come on. I'm like, what? The two, the, the two and that stuff, guys, guys, they not even a thing anymore in my consciousness. So we don't need to, we don't need to continue. <laughs> we don't need to continue this, this trend, my friend. Just two say, just say dolphins. <laughs> just say I am a, I am a loyal, passionate, lifelong dolphins fan. Like, I just, uh, just, I'm, Yeah. Just guys. Uh, I'm glad that we got to talk about that though, because that was shocking. And yes, that we we have the result there. My here's my final note, and then uh, why, let, let's just why don't we just go around the room here and uh, and put a bow on this show. We had a short show on Friday, so you get a you get not quite a double feature today, but it kind of feels like it. Um, I I just want to make sure that this show at least briefly addresses the absolute treat that has been the 2022 Denver Broncos. <laughs> 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 I should Both. look. It's hard not to laugh, guys. I mean, come on. Like, I, no, no, no. Laughter is important. Me, the objective journalist, understands that. Like, hey, sometimes being a first first year head coach is hard. Like, I don't and look. I'm sure. We, I'm sure it would know. be difficult if we did it too. We're just not. We didn't. No one gave me that contract, so I'm still here. <laughs> look, look, you know, you don't think about this, but like when you're the head coach, you need to know where the play clock is. You know where the regular clock is. Where your punt returner is. You need to know where you, how many timeouts you got. You need to know where, where you, you are, are on the, the field. field. What day it is. What time of I the like, day it is. Like, what colors your team is wearing. Right. right. I, you know, I, statistics I, like probability of what my field goal kicker can do based on, you know, his long-standing NFL career. So, look, I mean, <laughs> look, I don't, I've never been in those shoes, okay? So, look. I understand that when they when 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 people in the league tell me, "Hey Nate, it's hard being a first-time head coach." Well, now I have a much greater appreciation for what they say, what what they mean when they say that. In an introduction uh, of of a piece on Nathaniel Hackett, it says it's a good thing Nathaniel Hackett doesn't seem to understand the concept of time because otherwise he'd be a little flustered by how quickly his welcome is worn out in Denver. <laughs> Holy bleep and bleep. That's so good. It's so mean. And it's bad. Like, it's bad. And and maybe he'll catch on. But, like, these are things, like, imagine you've waited your whole life for this job. Like, how did you not, like, call head coaches that you know? Say, okay, what are some of the downfalls? What are some of the things that I, I'm not thinking about? And, like, one of those things should be, hey, you need a clock management guy. You need to trust him. You need to have his job is that he's crunching probabilities to let you know when you need a timeout, when you don't, that kind of stuff. So when that moment happens, you say, hey, timeout here? Yes, timeout here. Okay. And you ask him, like, I don't know, before the play? Like, hey, what's better here? We have, like, a minute and 20 seconds left. Should we, I don't know, call timeout and keep moving the ball really well like we have been? Or, or should we, you know, try a 70-yard field goal? It's so funny. 
And I think it, it's just a reminder to me that like in all the talk about the AFC West loading up and lots of talented teams, and I'm not saying they're not all going to give the Chiefs a run for the money. Maybe they all will. We kind of forgot that as much as Andy Reid infuriates us occasionally, he's a really good coach and that matters. Yeah, you want to, you know, you want to you want to show up for your team on Sunday. You want to be a positive, not a negative or a deterrent um psychologically. Uh <laughs> I want to I want to remind people that the Denver Broncos in the midst of trying to get it going on offense <laughs> Ran a fullback option play, kids. <laughs> and I know, and one. I know, I know it like here, Sean, this sort of explains coaching kids. You know, Sean Payton sort of cultivated and, 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 and let that play really blossom in New Orleans with the right personnel because, you know, Taysom Hill exists. Y'all ain't got that on y'all team. Like, <laughs> the play looks nice. The Jimmys and the Joes are a little different in these orange and blue uniforms, coach. So when so when our fullback is running the option, God, he looks like he's running in quicksand. Because like the the the, the Texans were not fooled. <laughs> and I don't think the Texans have like a great linebacking core, but they got there before y'all got there. So hey, coaching is hard. It looks yeah. it looks good on paper, or it looks good on tape of another team doing it. Hey, we're going to get in this formation. This is a tendency breaker, boys. Only thing is we breaking our own ability to get the yardage. And <laughs> that's the tendency that's... to move forward at the snap. <laughs> we've, we've combo broken. We have tendency to progress. snap the football before it says 0-0. Zero, zero. Right, right. Hey, where's the play, ca- play clock, oh. clock, ref? Hey, line just, line just. Where, where's the play clock? Can you point me in the direction of the play clock? Hey, but hey, they didn't do what Cliff did yesterday, which is we don't, we don't need we don't need a two point conversion from the two. Why don't we do it from the seven? Let's just do it from the seven, I guess, <laughs> out of a timeout. Oh. Why not? And, and and that's where it just like it just seems ill prepared, and that's why. It, and again, could I do this job? No, but I haven't been preparing to do this job for what twenty years. They, like they, they, I would like them to pay me to do this job. It's the, it's the whole point. Well, yeah, and, I get to and, do the and, job and, and you pay me. Oh, I'm gonna be, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to give it, I'm gonna give it my best effort. Which means, hey, fellas, I know it seems chaotic right now, <laughs> but we, we've, we've practiced two point plays, right? So we should know which one to use, right? No one, <laughs> the personnel has not changed, right? Like no one's injured. That is. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> clearly wiped off some plays off the play sheet. All right, everybody still healthy? Like AJ Green still out there, right? Hey, we got we got hurts. Hey, Mark Mark Reese Mountain is out here saving us <laughs> alongside Kyler, so I could just run what we practice, right? And they gave us an extra forty seconds to figure it out. That was the whole like we've practiced two point conversions, right? So we should know what to run when there is one, right? Like that was just the funniest thing. <laughs> Because it's so I obvious. This, I love it's, this sport because it's so obvious. And yet, if you're in the building, yeah, dog, it's really hard. I get it. Yeah, it's but like, so hard. But it's in front of everybody. And that's the problem. It's really and, in front of all of our eyes. And you get to hire your own staff. It's not like he's out there alone. There's like 50 people helping him. Like, get like someone, anyone. Do what Mike McCarthy does and just hire a bunch of people to do everything you're supposed to do. Like, that seems at least reasonable. I don't know, but it's been so much fun to watch. Um, and man, poor Kent. 
I just I just looked at the timer for our for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we don't get to go around. We all used our around the room. Uh, we all used our around the room time on crushing the Broncos and a little bit of Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury there. And I think that's all appropriate. Uh, it was a tremendous weekend of NFL football. There's more great coverage all across theathletic.com. I, I listened to the athletic football show before, uh, I, as I was driving into work this morning, uh, to to make sure there wasn't anything else I had missed. That show is always excellent. Uh, check that out. And all the other team-specific shows across the network as well. You've got your options uh, here and there, and of course, on theathletic.com as well. Plus, you can follow all of us on Twitter, at ByNateTaylor, at RealMNChiefsFan, and at JB Briscoe. We will have another episode this week before Chiefs-Colts. Um, you know, do we know when it's going to be? That's such a hard question to say for sure. Uh, but sometime before, all right? That's it's, Look, it's my fault this week, guys. I got a, I got a doctor's appointment. I got to figure it out. I don't know. Uh, but we'll have you an episode before Chiefs-Colts. And uh, and by that point, I don't know, maybe we'll still be burning our own time. We're, we're giving a lot of bleep to, to head coaches who can't keep their teams on track time-wise. And I'm sitting over here looking at my recording. <laughs> blow past an hour and think uh, that, honestly, a delay of game out of a timeout is kind of what this show is just at its very core. So with that, uh, Nate, get us out of here. What we not going to do, though, we're going to get the ball off, okay? Or we'll, or we'll run around. What, what we're not going to do is... I used to, I loved Mark Spariota in college, and this is not what I signed up for. (laughs) Like, no, no, like, they had a six-man protection on a three-man front and couldn't get the ball out. I just, so whatever, whatever, whatever we do moving forward, we're going to get you this podcast. It will go from our hands to your ears. We will get it off, and hopefully Kent will catch the Hail Mary. Please, Kent, just... You're in the end zone, but we're going to get it to you because Marcus, Marcus, 